0: Sin Media acknowledges and pays respect to the people of the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations, on whose unceded lands the Sin Studios stand. Sin extends this respect to the traditional custodians and people of the lands and waters our content reaches. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. You're listening to Soul Food on Sin. My name is Marzi. I'm here with the one and only Eleftherios. We are right outside of Baby Snakes. E, you've just played your debut headline gig. How you feeling, man? Like a dream has just come true, man. I'm on
1: cloud nine right now.
0: Absolutely, as you should, bro, as you should. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of people walking by because we're standing right outside, (laughs) just getting this interview done while we're here. Your debut EP. Going Nowhere Slowly, released by Universal. It's a great project. There's some vocals interspersed here and there, but it's largely an instrumental producer-based project. Uh, What kind of inspired that shift in focus compared to some of your other stuff working with artists? Yeah, that's a great question,
1: because it definitely was in a strange way coming out of my comfort zone. I'm so much more used to releasing music with, you know, vocals on it. But um, I don't know, I guess through the encouragement of the people around me, the encouragement of my manager too, Quincy, um, just kind of helped me to, strangely step into a new world even though like i'm a producer and you would assume it would be natural to make beats but yeah i don't know i kind of leaned more into the dance stuff like working with artists rather than being solo yeah
0: having a project that kind of stands on its own in terms of the production rather than having an artist come in and make that the focus what's been the process like for you working with other artists in the past though is there you do a different approach every time do you kind of come into it with a certain sort of ethos
1: Took me a while to sort of figure that out. I've now come to sort of realize the best thing that works for me is having like an open door sort of system. Whereupon, you know, open invitation for whatever artist is supposed to come through and cook, you know, and there's not really, I don't really sort of go into sessions with like a specific goal. Just try to sort of come up with something quickly and just bounce off the artist. You know, I work very fast. I've had a lot of sessions. I work very quickly. So usually just artists in the studio will just sort of improv, I guess, and just whatever happens, happens
0: sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. What's uh? (laughs) No worries, no worries. (laughs) No, you're all good. You're all good. Amazing job, man. The one and only like Ben Madden. Ben, how are you going?
1: Yeah, good. Uh, he killed it tonight. Really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Where do you get your ideas from? Man, to be honest, I wish I could say they came from myself, but it really comes from working with other people, bro. Once you're sort of in an environment where you have other people around you and everyone's brain sort of becomes one, that's when the ideas start to happen. I find when I'm alone, I really get you know, overthinking, like, oh, is this the right chord? Is this the... When someone else is there with me, so much more freer to just explore whatever.
0: Uh, uh, shout out to Ben Madden. Wonderful yeah, question. Madden. E phenomenal answer. Yeah, the dark Shout out to Sin uh, and Music. Shout yes. out to Yeah. Shout out to Footscray. Awesome awesome great work folks have a good one this is fun uh so you're talking about working in a different process with with different artists when you're in the studio um how does that process differ for you when it comes to a live stage because obviously we just had that show you've had five six different artists come up and and make their own contributions uh to to the live presence and and it sounded different with every iteration Uh, how is your approach for a live setting as opposed to studio one
1: yeah, man, I think, again, it's one of those things where the band are just so, make it so easy for me to just turn it into the live show, you know, I mean, having beats, you know, in Ableton, and especially working alone, like, uh, work, not working alone, but, you know, production's such a, obviously the artists are involved, like, on a vocal perspective, from, like, from a production's perspective, it's quite solo. Mm. So when you sort of, yeah, bring it to rehearsals to, like, show the band, like, what we're going to, you know, make alive. it's kind of daunting, it's a bit scary, you know, like, how's it going to go, how's it going to translate? But oh, man, this band makes it so easy. This band makes it so easy to just bring alive. Um, I don't even really need to think about it. I showed them the chords. I showed them the structure. We sort of had an idea that we wanted to keep it on that sort of soulful kind of vibe, like the more relaxed, like nothing too, like no like crazy like guitar, like heavy, no like heavy distortion stuff like that. You know, keep it kind of smooth. That was mainly that was like sort of the main sort of bedrock. We knew we wanted to keep it smooth, and everything
0: after that was kind of built up and built up from there. You can absolutely hear that in the performance that you bring forward. It's very soulful. It's very R and B rooted, for sure. Uh, there is a little bit of shift in genre with different artists coming through. Um, most notably, by way of Buddy Ryan, I think was was where that stuck out the most. What's your personal shift like when you move from, I guess, subgenre to subgenre? In that sense, is there a, a conscious process to okay, now we're we're going from soul into something a little bit soul adjacent? Yeah. Is there a different approach to how that gets played?
1: To be honest, man, I don't know. I think growing up, I've always been introduced to so many different styles of music that I've never been too, like, hindered in, like, something needs to sound like a certain way. And I think that's why, you know, getting to work with so many artists, I think that's where I guess I get to shine sort of as a producer because I sort of get to show, like, the different aspects of, like, my world and what I love to, you know, make. And, I don't, yeah, I don't tend to sort of think about it as, you know, I was stepping into, like, a different world now. It was more just like, okay, so how do we... The, the real challenge actually was more just figuring out, you know, how are we going to go from, say, one artist to the next artist, you know, going from Inka Kruber's set into, like, yeah. Buddy Ryan's set and then Aaron Minter too, which is, like, so stripped back. Yeah. You know, that was actually the real challenge. It was more kind of figuring out, like, the transitions. But we um, sort of ended up just thankfully lining it up with just sort of, like, the features and thankfully my production translates like it's sort of
0: it works well it's all e at the end of the day yeah yeah, yeah. that and, and you definitely transitioned very smoothly from one thing into the other yeah it was good you, you mentioned araminta just then as well the buddy ryan and araminta uh collab there was phenomenal do you do you generally have an idea of somebody to come in on a feature in that sense was Araminta somebody that you added in in the process or was that somebody from the jump that you were like this song is going to have these two people and this is how it's going to go
1: um no again bro the door the door was just open and they were just in the studio and it just sort of the song just kind of came together I mean um Araminta just released like her first song like last week you know she's been songwriting for years you know and performing and stuff but sort of taking that step to release is you know it's a it's a big leap for for a lot of people myself included it was so scary releasing music you yeah know? so those two like coming together on that song it really was just a matter of i just had a session with buddy ryan Araminsa just came through it wasn't really like a deliberate like just happened naturally and thankfully again like i think because my production i guess uh, attracts a certain type of artist that want to be on like that sort of soulful kind of tip it then means that i guess there is a lot a fair amount of overlap between the artists that i work with even if they don't sound like directly the same like their influences behind their artistry is probably gonna have a lot of like similarities, and that's why I can hopefully like smoothly bring it together without thinking about it too much. I try not to think about what I'm doing too much. Yeah, is it respect like in the studio outside the studio, I'm planning it's all very, you know, but once I'm in the studio with the artist as as loose and as free as it can be. yeah, that's.
0: That that definitely tracks. Again, like I said, uh, at the end of the day, it's all your music. It's all E on the production. So it, it makes sense that there is kind of that through line there. If nothing else, it's being produced by the same person. I've made comments about that time after time again on Soul Food specifically about how important a producer is to a track even if it's a song that is specifically an artist's song whichever producer you get on it can completely change the outcome of it and and there definitely needs to be a a lot more recognition of producers in our local scene so thank you for doing what you do 100%. Um, you were playing bass tonight, there was a little bit of instrument swapping as well. I know that guitar is kind of your your main instrument of choice, but um, where does your preference lie at the moment with, with is that just purely because it was a live setting or what was the process there? Definitely guitar is still where I'm most comfortable.
1: I think just for the sake of the structure of the set, it just made it a lot easier for me to just kind of like, just not chill, but it, you know, having to talk and all that kind of stuff. I'm still getting used to that. So playing bass, being in the background, sort of letting everyone else sort of shine, that's, that's where I'm most comfortable. So. It's more just. I think it just works for this set with what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. I love bass. Bass is so fun. So you know,
0: bass is very fun. Big love. To- We've got that kid Maz dapping up E right now. This is history in the making. You want to say hi to Sin one time? Hey, what's up, Sin? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> perfect.
1: No, that's perfect. <laughs> no, nah, right, that's
0: good. good. Yourself, All right. Have a good night, man. <laughs> All right, all right. We, we've interviewed Maviki Maz on the hip hop show before, so it's a nice little, nice little crossover episode here. But we are still talking on Soul Food right now. Uh, with Soul Food, there comes a couple questions that are kind of just stock standard things that we ask everybody, because we like to focus on the genre of soul and R&B and everything adjacent to that. But there's also a really important conversation to be had about the, um, the acceptance of that music in the local scene, both... Culturally and on an industry level. Now, this this uh, EP was released via Universal, so it's it's awesome that you were able to go through that path and, and get that sort of representation. I'm really happy that that's actually the, the, the case. It's really nice to see. What would you say that the the cultural appeal for soul and R&B is at the moment in the city? Just for uh, the average listener, like, uh, is there an appeal? Are people across it? Is it kind of growing a little bit as we as we grow music in our local scene in Nam? I think you
1: know, as long as we've got artists like Hayatus Coyote and so forth, I think there's always going to be a strong love for the Melbourne jazz scene, the Melbourne soul scene. You know, Nicodemus, there's so many amazing artists. I'm uh, in pain was just at Section Eight last night. You get Tentendo, so many incredible producers and artists that sort of bring that genre like to the forefront of the world. Yeah. Um. So I think, I think we're sort of at a point now. I think maybe now for the last few years that I think we've sort of almost gone past thinking about it as like a Melbourne sense. So many of these artists now are on festivals and are touring in a big sound. It isn't so much about is the sort of scene for that in in, in Melbourne. I think it's more just if the, you know, the music's great as you can see, you know, with hiatus Cody and so forth, that it doesn't so much matter. The audience is going to come, you know, the music's great, the audience is going to come. Yo. Hey. Yo, wait, what's the name of your uncle's spot? Conjo. Yeah, out
0: Conjo. Just, building off of uh, the question of the sort of cultural acceptance of that music and and just where things are going because you're absolutely correct, I believe you, that, uh, as long as the music is good, which it is, both in those upper cases and for emerging artists and, and uh, people that have been here a long time that are in the local scene that are ready to to pop off. Because that's you two, man. You are so set to just do those tours. for I, I can see it 100%. With the level of talent you've, you've got around you as well as yourself, Like it's an amalgamation of who you are at the end of the day. So it's awesome. It's really sick. Is there more that we could do on an industry level in terms of our our infrastructure in in this city specifically, but also in Australia at large? And and if so, what would you like to see to help kind of uh, cultivate and nurture that genre and just Australian music as a whole?
1: I think we need more uh, smaller venues, bro. I think we need more like 50, 75, 100 people, like capacity, even mm-hmm. smaller than that, to be honest. I think we sort of went through a phase, especially during COVID and after COVID. So many of the, these intimate venues where newer artists get to like cut their teeth have just sort of don't exist anymore and so now if you're an emerging artist there might be like one or two spots that you can book and then it's such a huge leap and then suddenly the only venues you can really go to are like your, your corner hotels and stuff you yeah. know and so it's like where's that middle ground sort of helping artists like develop i would love to see sort of more done on that sort of front mm. whether it's even just like mini festivals like more sort of community run festivals That is, i mean there's a coburg um street one there's a couple that is like starting to pop up but um yeah i think we can sort of do more to sort of help artists that are just starting out get Mm -hmm. that little like it it all takes is experience you know we need people to be playing shows constantly you know you need to be in the studio constantly and you'd be performing constantly and i suppose if there's only like a handful of venues and you keep circulating the same venues like the momentum it's kind of hard to if you need yeah so fresh walls you know fresh yeah fresh environments i think will help a lot yeah
0: I, I 100% agree. I think there's definitely a difference as well between the studio setting and the live setting. I mean, we've already discussed that in this interview, but just in general, uh, it, it is a big leap. It's a big leap to try and sell tickets for one, but also just to get used to singing in a different space and and interacting with audience members and what that whole thing is like. Because you, uh, as your as your own artistry, you were doing that circuit already. Like that was a big part of what led you to where you're at now. Correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Uh, Jimmy Harwood playing in his band, you know, that's how I got to meet him. And I guess the others, it's more just been through the studio sessions. But definitely, you know, playing in Oliver Munn's band, Jimmy Harwood's band, Gung Mango's band, it's been Aki's band. You know, it's a lot of, it's sort of where I've been able to get, yeah, get that experience that I needed. You know, if I was doing it myself, definitely wouldn't have been able to, in the same way, you know, but because of playing in those bands and being in that environment and getting comfortable with that and then thinking, you know, oh, maybe I can get a band together to, do this you know instead of it's been weird it's weird but it's very cool that it's happening
0: 100 <laughs> percent. it's a, an unorthodox uh, way in but it, uh i think that's only really because of just the way that the scene's currently built i like i can totally see other people doing this sort of thing for sure um we're gonna wrap up in a second but j- before we do that um i just want to hear from you uh, how how you've felt now that you've had a little bit of time to sit and yes we've been doing the interview but just to soak in the fact that you've just played a huge show uh, like baby snakes it I haven't been to this venue before but it's a really nice space and you filled it very nicely and you put on a ripper of a show so how are you feeling right now man man you know on the
1: on the venue it's cool because uh, on the opposite side of this courtyard was actually the first studio that I ever set up yeah. with uh, with Duane and stuff purple and that you know we had like a warehouse for a couple months um sadly the landlord of the warehouse like knocked it down because she wanted to build like apartments that's all good i understand <laughs> um but thankfully you know we got this other studio here in this courtyard at footscray and that's that's really where i got to like figure out my sound as a producer and how i like to work and so being here like a baby snakes and you know across from the studio where it effectively all started and then, yeah and this being like the first show like launching the i guess like the like the, like, the lf thing like with the band it's been a very um yeah surreal it's beautiful it's something i've I guess wanted to do since I started producing so it's a, it's a dream come true it feels great I love the people you know came on Sunday afternoon like yeah. it's, it's crazy I don't know I just uh I think it's gonna probably sink in like soon yeah 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 <laughs> I think
0: right now I'm sort of still processing it but man it, it, felt, it felt good it felt really good. definitely yeah <laughs> we'll we'll let you have that sink in for a bit um we'll wrap up here <laughs> thanks for coming through bro this podcast is brought to you by Sin Media.